want to add my congratulations to uh, our graduates. Largest group we've ever had, largest group of seniors we've ever had uh, here at Journey. So proud of them and Ian, his ministry, and uh, pouring into our students and keeping them connected to our church. Uh, so grateful for his ministry. And for you parents, congratulations to you. You made it this far. And uh, I know maybe there's some unknowns about the next stage of your life. Julie and I have been at that point. But uh, take a moment to be proud of yourself. You, uh, you allowed them to survive to this point. And so that's, that's worth something there. So glad you're worshiping with us today. You know, their, their gowns and caps uh, remind me that... Um, the, Location matters quite often. Um, we expect to see 18-year-olds in gowns and hats with a board on top when it's graduation. Like, if we just saw them walking down the street in that, we would think that was rather odd. Like, There's a specific place that outfit belongs and absolutely no other. A lot of life is this way. Uh, we're, on the, we're on the front steps of summertime now. And so pools are opening back up. Our subdivision's pool opened uh, this past week. People are already out, laying out in the pool, already enjoying the pool. Uh, and this will be shocking. People wear bathing suits to the pool. And it is perfectly normal to see someone in a bathing suit at the pool. Uh, it would not be normal if that same person wore their bathing suit to the bank, right? That you would, they would get stares. People would think it was Odd. Now, I, I admit, not everybody knows this rule, and some people need to be introduced to this rule. Um, you know, that's why there is a People of Walmart uh, website. Uh, not everybody knows that not everything is appropriate, but we all agree, right? If you wear your bathing suit to the bank, that's kind of odd. And the opposite is true as well. Maybe you work at a bank. If you wear a suit to work, if you uh, dress up for work, pantsuit dress, that would look odd at the pool. Like if you laid out in a coat and tie, if you dove in the pool in your nice pantsuit, that would be weird. People would stare. Parents would grab their children and leave because they would know something is wrong with you. Location matters. What's right in one place is not necessarily right at the other. We expect a certain behavior at college football games. We expect a certain noise level, a certain enthusiasm, uh, a certain amount of yelling and screaming and chanting that would be out of place at a fine dining establishment, right? We expect you to cheer when your team scores a touchdown, not when the appetizer arrives, right? Like, that's... That's not how that's supposed to work. Football games, we chant defense, defense. If you were raised on the river and somebody said, lobster, lobster, you would think, this is not where you do that. <laughs> Location matters. Being in the right place, doing the right thing, dressing the right way. Location matters. The topic that we're going to talk about today, I think, is impacted by location. In most places... To have a discussion on generosity would be well-received and welcomed. We would think that's a great topic to talk about, except here, right? We have a, most of us have a completely different response when we talk about generosity at church. Now, where you work 
You encourage generosity. Like some of you maybe are on the board or, or, or maybe you're in charge of a charitable event or you're in charge of your office partnering with a charitable organization. And so you spend time every year telling your coworkers, we should be generous. We should be generous. We should all support. We should all be generous. It's a noble thing outside of here. It's something we aspire to. We admire generous people, don't we? We find somebody who's generous. We think that's a great person. Nobody has ever said, you know, she's really, really generous and she's just an awful person. Right? Those two don't ever go together. Generosity means, man, we really admire that. I want to be more like that person. But there's something about this room and buildings that have church on them that when we talk about the subject of generosity, everybody feels a little awkward. Right? Some people get irritated. Some of you saw the opening video and thought, man, why did we come today? <laughs> of all days to come visit this church, we had to come today. I know, I know, I get it. And some of it's, some of it's my people's fault, right? My people, the preacher people, some of it's our fault, right? Because we've bought private jets and we've had extravagant homes and we've done things with money that we probably shouldn't have been done with people's giving. I get it. We've, we've messed this up a little bit, right? We, we take some of the blame. But the Bible talks about generosity. The Bible talks about the goodness of generosity. You know the goodness of generosity outside of this building. In other settings, you know this is a good thing. So let me just make a couple of comments as we're launching into this series. We honestly don't talk about this subject a lot at Journey. And over a lot of you, this is your first time you came for graduation and you thought we did a bait and switch at this point, right? We, we don't talk about this subject a lot at Journey. So congratulations, you came on the Sunday that we're gonna talk about it and lucky you, pat yourself on the back. That's an awesome thing. We don't talk about this subject every week. We, we don't talk about it all the time, but we do talk about it sometimes because it's in the Bible, like God talks about this subject and, and, and there are good things that come from us discussing this subject. The other thing I would say is generosity, certainly in the way we're gonna talk about it over the next couple of weeks, generosity is way more than money. And, and I know in the church, that's where I, my, our mind tends to go. They're gonna talk about money, right? They're taking up an offering later on, right? They're, Generosity is way more than money. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about money, but we're going to spend most of this series talking about how you can be generous with your life, generous with your words. There are people who need your encouragement, especially in the time that we live in. There are people who need you to be generous with your encouragement of them. There are people who need you to be generous with your time. Maybe a lot of time, maybe just a little time, maybe just one breakfast, maybe one coffee. There are people who need you to give generously of your time. There are people who need you to give generously of your skills, your abilities. There are things that you are good at that other people can benefit from. So we're not just talking about money. And, and when we limit generosity to finances, what happens is we then begin to think things like, well, I don't have as much to give as they 
do or I can't give as much as this other person does or I, I can't put as many zeros behind the number on my chain. We, 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 we limit what God wants to do in our hearts when it comes to an attitude of giving, a heart of giving. We'll talk about it later on, but God's not comparing your generosity to anybody else's generosity. What we want to talk about in this series is how do we each individually develop a generous life? How do we see the world? How do we see people? How do we see situations and circumstances from a generous heart? How do we not just occasionally but consistently ask ourselves, God, is, is this something you want me to step into? God, are you calling me to be a part of this? God, can I help this in some way? Because here's what I know about all of us, and I, don't, I haven't met all of you. Some of you are, are first time uh, today. But here's what I think I can say about every one of us. We all have generous moments. All of us do. All of, I mean, you wouldn't be here probably. If you didn't have generous moments in your life, you're just that kind of person. You, you could think back probably recently to a moment when you were generous to somebody. There, were, there was a moment that you responded generously. All of us have those moments. Right? We have those times when, when we're generous. And, and related to that, those moments were probably triggered by something. Right? We, we, not only do we have generous moments, but we all have generosity triggers. That's my term. We all have generosity triggers. I'm using triggers in a positive sense. I know it's used in a negative sense mostly in our culture. But in a positive sense, we all have those things that kind of catch our heart and we respond to. And it's different for, for all of us. Um, for some of us, it's uh, tragedies or disasters, like a hurricane hits, and we're just prompted. I want to be a part of responding to that, either financially or I, I want to donate items or I want to give of my time. That sort of disaster, tragedy, hurricane, fire. We see someone who's lost everything, and we're just motivated. We're triggered in that moment uh, to respond. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's hurting people. Um, maybe homeless people, uh, people that we see around town, and there's just something about our heart that goes out to that person. For some of you, it's commercials late at night, right? Have you ever been watching TV late at night and that children's hospital commercial comes on, that homeless pets commercial goes on, and you grab your phone, you start donating. You know, that's some of us. We just have that emotional response, that emotional reaction. If you've been in church for uh, long, if you, if you attend regularly in church, for some people in church, it's a need that the church might have. Right? We, somebody stands up and says, hey, we have this need, and you care about the church, and you just Respond. We have kids who need scholarships to go to camp or students who need help uh, going on a mission trip, and you just respond. We need chairs. You respond. We, we need another, uh, need to do some more renovation. You respond. For some of us, it's seeing that, um, that project or that tangible, this thing is about to happen, and we need some help with it. For some of us, it's guilt. Right, which is not a really good one, by the way, if that's you. Like if, if you just get guilted enough, then you'll sign up. If you get guilted enough, then you'll do the thing. That's not a really good trigger, by the way. You probably want to find a better one than that. Um, we, we all have these things that motivate us to give. Now, let me say real quickly, there's not one of those coming in this series. Um, 
Some of you give uh, frequently to needs that we have in the church, so let me just set your mind at ease. That's not where this is going. Okay? There's not a big ask coming up. I'm not setting you up for something that's going to happen at the end of the service or at the end of the series. We're doing fine financially. Our giving's right on target for this year, right in line with our adopted budget. I'm not about to say, we need $500,000 by July 1st or we have to close down. Please give. Nothing like that's coming. All right? I'm not setting you. Just take a deep breath. Relax. Nothing's coming. Except... Except, what does God want to do in your heart and my heart when it comes to this topic of generosity? How does God want to open our eyes to needs around us and ways that he has specifically gifted us to step into those needs? Because the point of this series is not to have those occasional moments of generosity. It's not, well, if somebody tells me about something, I'll consider being generous. The the direction we're going with this series is, God, how can you teach me to be generous all the time? Now, nobody can give to everything. Nobody can respond to every need. You can't donate 24 hours a day, seven days, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week of your life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is developing a generous life is always being open to those questions, seeing where there's a need, asking God if you're the one that's supposed to help meet those needs God I I don't want to just occasionally do this I don't want to just sometimes be that person I want to always be that person so that generosity is not really a checklist things that you check off well I did that so I'm good for a while like I gave last time I I think I'm good for a couple of months now right I volunteered with that organization I think I'm fine it's not a checklist you can't do everything you can't respond to everything But how can we continually be open to what God wants to say to us? We're going to give you, starting next week, for the 12 people that come back next week, we're going to give you some opportunities to be generous. We're going to give you some opportunities. Now, let me say two things. Our church doesn't benefit specifically from any of these ways. These are all organizations outside of our church, opportunities outside of our church. So this is not ways that journey is is going to uh, gain something secondly most of them have nothing to do with money most of them have another small small financial projects if you feel led to participate in but we're going to try to be generous to walton county defects we're trying to build a good relationship with them right now we want to be generous in some very specific ways that'll take a little bit of your time Uh, We want to be generous to Path United. Some of our people are involved in that ministry. They have some needs of time and abilities, not financial needs, time and abilities. We're going to tell you what those are. We want to be generous to foster families. We want to support them with care teams, both foster families within our church and outside of our church in our community. So we're going to give you some ways that you can, you can plug into generosity, but, but I want to keep saying the goal is not to occasionally be generous a few times. The goal is that we would develop a generous heart, a generous life, eyes that look for ways to be generous. Uh, how do we do that? Here, here's, here's something to keep in mind. Generosity is about the attitude of our hearts and not the amount in our checkbook. Again, because generosity and giving and finances we so much identify those together when we start talking about generosity we immediately go to 
well, I got all these bills right now and I've got all these things. Generosity is not, it's about your perspective, not about your paycheck. It's about your heart, not about your calendar. Because some of us push back and say, well, I'm really busy. I got too much going on. And I get it. Seasons of life are busier than others. But very often we make excuses based on those things. When God's trying to do something in our heart. God's trying to grow our generosity. God's trying to grow our ability to see other people. So all of those other details, they may affect how we give. They may affect how we're generous, but that's not the starting place for being generous. The starting place is how I see the world. The starting place is how I see other people that I interact with day to day, whether I see them, whether I acknowledge that I'm in a world with a lot of other people and God wants to use me in their life. Here's what I'm fairly certain of. God did not put you on a planet with 7 billion other people just so you could live your life. I don't think that's what God did. God didn't put you on a planet with 7 billion other people and then go, you know what? You do you. You take care of you. Don't worry about anything. You take care of you. You live your life. Make yourself happy. You do you. No, God put us in community put us on a planet with 7 billion other people he put you in a community with thousands of other people he put he said some of you in a subdivision with hundreds of other people students he put you on a campus with hundreds go to college thousands of other people so that your life could intersect with somebody else's life so that so that you could share grace and generosity and goodness with other people. Here's what I know. God did not give you a life so you could spend that life on only you. God didn't give you a life just so you could consume your whole life on you and yours and what you want. He invites you into what he's doing globally. He invites you into what he's doing around our community. He invites you to step into lives of people who are hurting, people who have needs, people that you could respond to and be generous. Be generous. Why? Why would we be generous? <clears throat> I want to encourage you to recognize as we start this conversation the impact generosity has on you. The impact it has on you. Because often we're thinking, well, I'm going to give to somebody else. I'm going to do for somebody else. The Bible says generosity changes you and me. It impacts you. It impacts me. When I'm generous, things change in me. This is Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap Generously, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you, the giver. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul says this giving thing, it sounds like, you're giving out and not receiving anything. It sounds like you're doing with less, but what's really happening is God is causing good things to flow back into your life as you're generous. God's changing you as you're generous. God's blessing you when you're generous. And that's, we don't teach 
here that you know if you give a hundred dollars and God will give you a thousand dollars that's not what he means he doesn't mean if you give then you're going to get a new house or a fancier car that's not what he means he means that the goodness of God will flow back into your life in multiple ways sometimes it is tangible some some of us have testimonies of I felt like I was supposed to give something I did and then God caused something to come into my life sometimes it happens that way sometimes it's tangible sometimes it's emotional Right? You, you know how it feels to give. You know how it feels to hear God's whisper and respond to that and know that God used you to meet a need in somebody's life. You know emotionally what that does for you. Sometimes it's spiritual. As we're obeying God, as we're walking in obedience, things happen in our spiritual life. Uh, so, sometimes it's physical. Studies have shown that generous people have better mental health, they have stronger relationships, live longer when they develop generosity in their life. Paul, that's what Paul's saying. Look, good things flow into your life, and I can't categorize that. I can't say specifically it's going to be this, but some of us know it's true. Some of us have been generous in our life, and we've seen what's happened in our own hearts. Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you, right two way given it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it'll be measured to you jesus says there's this reciprocal effect when you're generous you're not losing you're gaining we don't give to get we don't give to gain but i promise you get when you give you gain when you give you become more like Christ when you give. Your heart changes when you're generous, whether it's your time or your abilities or your words of encouragement or your resources. You change. I change. Proverbs 11 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This reciprocal effect as I'm giving, as I'm growing in generosity, then God's caring for me, God's taking care of me, good things are happening, am I, I'm changing. Right? We all know this to be true. Like, you know stingy people in your life. You know greedy people. You know, we, we come into the world as babies, uh, and, and one of the first words we learn is mine, right? You know, you know babies, they learn that. You don't have to teach them that word. They learn mine, mine try to take something they're going to scream they're going to yell mine this is mine they hold tight to everything which is fine as a baby that's part of coming into the world as a baby but maturity is realizing all i have is not meant for me i don't have to hold everything tightly i don't have to grip everything in my life and defend it and try to keep you from getting it i can live with an open hand and you know the difference you meet people i meet people who go through life with this open hand, this generous heart. <clears throat> we know what that person's like, and we know what the stingy person is like. And one of them is the one we want to be like, and one of them's not at all the person we want to be like. Right? You have people in your family this way. Right? They've gotten older, and they've gotten stingier. They've gotten older, they've gotten greedier. They've gotten older, they hold tighter and tighter and tighter. And, and the Bible says, both Old and New Testament, you know what will break that. You know what will soften your heart. You know what will help you grow spiritually. You've got to learn to live generously. 
Now, it's important to know that generosity isn't just the big things. It's not just the big things. I know that's what makes the headlines. Like if there's a news report that comes on, if you see something uh, online about someone giving away money, typically the amount they've given away has more zeros behind it than any of us could put behind a number, right? It's like this huge, big, over that, which is wonderful. I'm glad they're doing that. That's fantastic. Glad for whoever's receiving that. But sometimes we can get in our mind, well, I can't, I can't even come anywhere close to that. But that's the wonderful thing about the Bible is that the Bible doesn't have this bar that you have to reach in order for it to be generosity. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 10, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. If you just do the smallest thing. If, if, if your heart is generous, if you're open to giving, even in the small things, God sees that. God knows that. You are becoming more like Christ, even in the small acts of generosity that you do. So this is not some big uh, target that you and I are trying to hit. Maybe you know the story. The week of Jesus' crucifixion, one day he's outside the temple and he's watching people give their offerings. And the, the wealthy people are giving really large offerings. And then a poor widow comes along and drops two little coins, coins uh, smallest denomination of currency that she could have given. She drops two in there, and Jesus recognizes her gift. This is what Jesus says in Mark 12. Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. It wasn't the amount. It was the heart. It was the willingness. It was the obedience. God isn't comparing your gift to anybody else's gift. He's not comparing me to you or you to me or you to the person sitting next to you. This, one of the great things about generosity in the kingdom of God is that when it comes to generosity, God doesn't compare you to others. He compares you to you. And what does he expect of you? What can you do? Where can you step into needy places? You aren't being compared to Elon Musk, right? Because you probably can't write the kind of checks that he can write. If you can, buy Twitter, I guess. Just <laughs> outbid him and take it. You're not being compared to Warren Buffett. You're not being compared to Bill Gates. You're not being compared to his ex-wife, Melanie Gates. You're not being compared to Jeff Bezos. You're not being compared to his ex-wife, Mackenzie Scott. You're not being compared to any of those people. God's not saying, yeah, but that guy. God's just saying, no, you be generous with what you have. You be generous from your heart. You be generous from your perspective. There's no comparing one to the other. <clears throat> when it comes to generosity, I get it that we all have bills and we all have debt we're trying to get out of and we, we all have obligations and we all have a crowded calendar and we all have a busy life. I understand all of that. And yet, God calls us not to wait until everything is perfect to become generous. God asks us to step into generosity now. Wherever we are, whatever our situation is, 
whatever our financial obligations are, whatever our calendar is like, whatever season of life we happen to be in, some of us play that game in so many areas of our life. And it's the game where we say, well, one day I'm going to. Well, when we get out of this season of life, and some of us have lived long enough to know that seasons just keep coming. If you played that game of, well, after this weekend, life is going to be easier. After this weekend, life is going to slow. If we can just get through the next two weeks, life's not going to be just as busy. And three weeks later, life is just as busy. And if you're waiting for that magical moment to become generous, that moment's never coming. So why not be generous now? Look, I completely understand that there are some words we probably shouldn't say in this room. There's probably some words that you shouldn't utter when you come to church. But generosity is not one of them. Generosity is one we can talk about freely. And I'm just going to say this last thing. This is where we're going to pick up last week. Oh, it's where we're going to pick up next week. Um, generosity is the visible expression of love. That's what generosity is. It's the tangible, visible expression of love. The tangible, visible expression that I care. I love you. The scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. For God so loved the world. How did we see his love? How did we experience his love? How did his love become visible and tangible? Because he gave a son for us. He gave a son so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with him. For God so loved the world that he expressed that love visibly and tangibly by giving his son. You and I, as we interact in this world, we can say we love our neighbor. We can say we love other people. You know what the visible expression of that love is? You being generous with people. You being generous with people who have needs. You being generous with people who need time. You being generous with people who need encouragement from you. The visible expression of love is generosity. And may God make us more and more of those people. God, I, I pray that you would work deeply in our hearts. You would deal with areas of resistance to this topic. Uh, God, I pray that you would soften our hearts, not to try to match someone else's level of generosity, not to try to outdo someone when it comes to generosity, just to be sensitive to where you're going to whisper, hey, you could help meet that need. Hey, you could respond to that person. You could speak to that person. You could encourage that person. You could use your abilities to, to help the need in that person's life. Momentary generosity is a great thing. Responding to uh, triggers of generosity, it's a wonderful thing. But God, we want our hearts to continually be generous. We want our eyes to continually look for ways that we can be generous. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.